I hope you all had a great Rosh Hashanah. And now we're getting ready to prepare for Yom Kippur. If you look into the Machzer, the prayer book for Yom Kippur, you will see something very interesting. And that is after the Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad, after we say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. We say, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusay Loylam We say, Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Now, this statement of the Shema and Baruch Shem is recited an average of three, four, even five times a day. When we say this on a daily basis, we say the Shema out loud. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu, Hashem Echad. However, when we say Baruch Shem, we whisper, Baruch Shem, We whisper the Baruch Shem. The question is, why do we whisper the Baruch Shem? Furthermore, when it comes to Yom Kippur, in the Machzor, it says, recite the following verse in a loud voice, that the Baruch Shem, we should say loudly. Why on Yom Kippur, do we recite the Baruch Shem out loud? Thirdly, at the end of the conclusion of the Ne'ila service, we say the Baruch Shem three times, and we do this very loud. So we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem HaKeshkenu, Hashem HaChad. And then we say, Baruch Shem, Kvoy Machos, three times. Why at the end of the Ne'ila service do we recite the Baruch Shem three times out loud? Furthermore, up until now, we have discussed the missing letter in the parsha, or the additional letter in a word. But in truth, tonight we, have, we must discuss a missing verse in the Torah. In the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, where we have the Shema Yisrael, so we have Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, God is our Lord, God is one. And then the Torah immediately goes on to say, You are to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And we don't have the verse, In the Torah scroll, we don't have this verse. Why is this verse missing? And why is it in every prayer book? What happened over here? So there are numerous answers to these questions. The first popular answer takes us back to the story of Jacob in the land of Egypt. Before our forefather Yaakov, Jacob, passed away, he gathered together all of his children and he said to them, let me tell you what will happen at the end of time. Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal to his children the coming of Mashiach, when Mashiach was going to come. Says the Talmud that the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, left him. And therefore he did not give over the date of the coming of Mashiach. So Yaakov Avinu, at that moment thought perhaps that the reason why the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, left him was because of the fact 
that one of his children perhaps was a non-believer. So he turned to his children and he said, Are any of you non-believers? So the children responded like this, Shema Yisrael, hear our father Yisrael. We know Yaakov, Jacob had two names. His first name was Yaakov, but then when he wrestled with the angel, he was given the name Yisrael, which is Sarkel, the master over Kael, over the name of God. So Yisrael is considered to be a superior name over Yaakov. So the children responded and they said, Shema Yisrael. Hear our father Yisrael. Hashem Elikeinu, Hashem Echad. God is our Lord. God is one. Just like God is one in your heart, and you only believe in one God, so too Hashem Elikeinu, God is one in our heart. We have no other gods. We all believe in your God. We all believe in the unity of God. When Yaakov heard this, he responded, Baruch Shem Kvoid Ved. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. So that is where the Baruch Shem comes from. But yet, Moshe Rabbeinu, for some reason, did not put it into the Torah. And because Moses did not put it into the Torah, our rabbi said, Who are we? to say the Baruch Shem out loud when Moshe Rabbeinu himself omitted this verse from the Torah. This verse, however, does not explain why on Yom Kippur we say it aloud. There's another medrash, another interpretation. And that is when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the heavens for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was amongst the angels. He heard how the angels were praying to God. And he saw that they said this prayer of Baruch Shem, Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Moshe said, wow, what a great prayer. So Moshe took this prayer, brought it down to the Jewish people, and told them about the prayer. And he said to them, you can use it whenever you want, as long as you do it silently. Because the prayer belongs to the angels. And the Talmud gives a mushal, a parable, of a man who stole a jewel from the palace. And he brought it to his wife. And he said to his wife, Honey, you can wear the, this jewel anytime you want, as long as you do it in secret. As long as you wear it in the house, you can wear it anytime you want. But outside in the open, never put on this jewel. And similarly, the Jewish people are told, You can say Baruch Shem whenever you want, but keep it quiet. Don't let the angels hear. This is true all year round. Until we come to Yom Kippur. We come to Yom Kippur, we are told 
that on Yom Kippur we are like angels because God forgives us from our sins and he washes all our clothing clean and therefore we are white from any type of mistake or sin. That is why it is the custom to wear white clothing on Yom Kippur. It's called a kittel because we are compared to the angels of the heaven. We don't eat just like they don't eat. We have no sin just like they have no sin. So now that we are compared to the angels, we don't eat, and we're standing all day in prayer like the angels do, therefore we have the right to recite the Baruch Shem out loud, just like the angels in heaven. There's also a third interpretation. And that is, when Moses was standing at Sinai, and all the Jewish people were gathered together at the mountain, and they were about to receive the Torah. So God calls out to the Jewish people, and he says, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Jews. When the Jewish people heard God call them by name, Shema Yisrael, hear Israel, the Jewish people responded, Hashem Malikeinu, Hashem Echad, God is our Lord, God is one. When Moshe Rabbeinu saw the correspondence between God and the Jews, so Moshe responded, Baruch Shem Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. He was so excited to see that the people that he took out of Egypt had a direct line and direct connection with God and that they believed in God. He fulfilled his mission of bringing the Jewish people to Sinai. He said, let this be for all generations to come. There's a famous rule and that is when we find more than one interpretation on a verse in the Torah, it's not that each interpretation is different, but rather each interpretation must complement one the other. So how do these three interpretations complement one the other? So perhaps we can say the following. We are told on Yom Kippur that we are like angels. And therefore we have the right to recite Baruch Shem Kuvay Malchus Eloilam Vaed out loud. However, each one of us, if we are honest with ourselves, we all know that we are not angels. We know that we're not perfect. We might look like angels because we are wearing white. We may feel like angels because we're not eating. We may pray like angels. But deep down we know that we are 
not truly like angels because we still have temptation. So why is it that we are able to stand before God today like an angel and say, Baruch Shem, out loud? Comes the additional two interpretations to answer this question. And these interpretations tell us that for us to truly be worthy of calling ourselves an angel, we have to be like Jacob, and we must be like Moses. What was unique about Jacob that all his 12 children continued to go in the ways of God. We know that Avram, Abraham had a son, Ishmael. He didn't follow the Jewish path. Yitzchak, Yitzchak had a son like Esau, who also did not follow the Jewish path. However, Yaakov, he had mitos shlema, his entire bed was complete. All his children followed in the path of Judaism. And Yaakov Avinu, when he asked his children, do you believe in God? They said yes. Yaakov was a teacher. He taught his children about the unity of God and he wanted to tell them even when Mashiach was coming. He taught them about Geulah. He taught them about redemption. He taught them how to prepare for a better world. He taught them how one more mitzvah can change the whole world and bring a world of change. When we begin to be like Yaakov and we teach our children, we teach them about the unity of God and the belief in the coming of Mashiach, then we can say that we have the right to act like angels. But that's not enough. We must also act like Moses. Moses brought the children of Israel to the mountain and he taught them about God. In other words, we have to be a teacher. Moshe was called Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher. It's not enough you teach your children or you teach your family, but each one of us being part of God's nation and a light unto the nations of the world, we are obligated to teach our fellow brothers and sisters and we are obligated to teach the nations of the world. So when we resolve, when we make this iron will of a resolution, that we are not only going to teach ourselves, and not only will we teach our children, but we will also make it our business to teach our neighbors and our friends and the other nations of the world as well, then on Yom Kippur we have a right to say, Baruch Shem Take it a step further. What was the response of Yaakov Avinu? He asked his children, do you believe in God? They said, Shema Yisrael, hear our father Israel. Hashem likeinu Hashem achad. Just like God is one by you, he is also our God and he is also one. So what does Yaakov say? Baruch Shem Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. What Yaakov was saying is that there are times in life that you get an inspiration. There are times in life that you feel very close to God. 
These times could be at the beginning of life, at a bris, when you see your child's bris, your child coming into the world, you see the miracle of birth. And unfortunately, when you face death, here too, you look at God in the face and you say, God, you know, forgive me. Yaakov is telling his children, don't wait until you die. Don't wait until you have a miracle in front of your eyes that you say, Hashem lekeinu Hashem achad. But rather, Baruch Shem Kvoid Malchus Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever, every single day of your life. And not only now when I ask you, do you believe in God? But all the time. And pass this on to your children for all generations to come. It's interesting that when we say the Shema, we normally cover our eyes. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekin Hashem Achad. And then, after that, we take our hands off our eyes and we say, Baruch Shem, Kvoyin Malchusoy L'Olam Vod. What's the reason for this? So on a halachic level, on a practical level, on the level of Pshat, being that when we say Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, God is our Lord, God is one, We have to have in mind how God is truly one. As the Talmud tells us that the word Echad is Alif Ches Dalid. And that is Alif represents Alufay Shalolam, the master of the universe. And Ches represents the seven heavens and the one earth. Because Ches equals eight. And Dalid is four, alluding to the four corners of the world, that when we say Shema, we have to close our eyes and we have to say to ourselves that in truth there is no world. Everything is nullified before God. All four corners and all seven heavens and this one world that we see in front of us is all nullified to God and there really is no world. It's all God. And we have to concentrate on this. And the Shulchan Aruch says, when we say this, we have to have a mind that I'm willing to die for God. That is the kavanah, that is the meditation that a person is supposed to have when he says, Shema Yisrael, I'm willing to die for God. On a Kabbalistic level, the idea of, of putting our hands over our eyes is not only to have kavana, to be able to concentrate, but in reality, by the fact we put our hands over our eyes, we see nothing. And if anything, we see black, which according to Kabbalah represents the black light that precedes the white light, alluding to the level of God beyond creation. So when we say Shema, we're saying there is no world, everything reverts back to God before creation. When we say Baruch Shem, we take our hands off our eyes. Wow, there is a world. I see the world in front of me. Yes, there is a world. But now this world that is in front of us is Baruch Shem Kvoy Machos Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. In this physical world that we see, we have to realize that everything is nullified to God and therefore we must live our life according to Torah and mitzvahs. So Shema is called Yichud 
the Shema is called the higher unity. That there really is no world. The whole world is nullified to God as if it does not exist. Baruch Shem is the lower unity. There is a world. However, we must conduct ourselves in this world according to God, for God is king. God is ruler. And therefore we must live our life in accordance to the laws of the king, which is Almighty God. And therefore it explains in Tanya that the word va'ed is the same as echad. However, it's chulufi asvan. The letters are interchanged. And that is the aleph of echad turns into the vav. The vav, we explain many times, means hamshacha, to bring down. Our job is to bring down the aleph of God that is alufi shaloylam, that is wondrous and beyond the world, and bring it down into the physical world. The ayin, ayin means eyes. That is the letter ches transformed into the ayin. The ches represents chachmai ha'oida, the, the intellects of the congregation. An intellect has the ability to see. It says that chacham einav the, the eyes of a chacham is in his head. In other words, he's able to see the future. He's able to see reality. Who is wise? He sees that which is created. He sees how God creates every moment the world anew, ex nihilo. So, ayin represents the eyes. We're transforming the ches of intellect into the eyes to make it seen before us. And the dalit comes down to the dalit again. So, in other words, va'id is a transformation of echad, that is beyond world, into va'id forever and ever in the world. And this, throughout the year, is said in an undertone. On Yom Kippur, however, it's said out loud. Throughout the year, it's more difficult to accomplish this. On Yom Kippur becomes reality. And therefore we say it loudly. In the book uh, by Divine Design, we speak about how um, every year before the High Holy Days my family would get together to talk about different themes that may be discussed in the synagogues over the High Holy Days. And this concept of the um, three interpretations for Baruch Shem was presented by my uncle from the cryptic notes of my grandfather, Rabbi Jacob J. Hechler, Blessed Memory. And we discussed these notes and we expounded on it. And as we were discussing these things, my grandmother, Rabbi Zunhecht, came into the room and she saw how we were learning and discussing and expounding upon the work of her husband, my grandfather, Rabbi Jacob Jehecht. And she began to cry. 
said, it's so beautiful to see how the children and the grandchildren are studying Torah together and are working together to, to promote their grandfather's teachings. So at that moment, I said, you know, that's really what Yom Kippur is all about. Yom Kippur, we see our parents and children and grandchildren and friends and neighbors and people from different cultural backgrounds and political ideologies come together in one synagogue. All together as one, we sit and we pray and we sing and we study the Torah. Can you imagine how God, our Father in Heaven, looks down in the synagogue and says, wow, what a beautiful thing, how my children and grandchildren are coming together to pray and learn my Torah. And God begins to cry. Tears of joy. And these tears of joy that comes down from God's cheeks into the world bring tremendous rain and blessing and success for all the children. And my grandmother then said, you know, it's so beautiful how you get together, you should do it more often throughout the year. And this is what God says in Yom Kippur, you know, it's wonderful to see my children coming together once a year, Yom Kippur. Achas Bashana, the one day of the year. But you know what? If you do it more often, you'll bring me more Nachas throughout the rest of the year. And in my grandfather's notes, on this Day of Atonement, he broke up the word of atonement to A-T hyphen one hyphen meant, at one meant, which my uncle Rabbi Shimon Hecht said means the following, that Yom Kippur, which is a Day of Atonement, is a day that at one moment, a person can change his whole life. Even though throughout the entire year we did everything wrong, if one moment we have a hit or tshuva, if one moment we feel regret and remorse, and we tell God we will abandon our way, and we want to be better, God says, I accept your tshuva, I accept your repentance. There's a famous statement in the Talmud that if a man who is a wicked person known by the community to be a Russia and he tells a woman marry me marry me on the condition that I'm a righteous tzaddik says the Gemara that this woman is married to this man. And the question is how could it be? We know he's a wicked person. So how can this marriage be a legitimate marriage? And the answer is, maybe he had a hidden tshuva. Maybe he had a feeling of remorse, a feeling of atonement. He wanted to return at that one moment. And because of that, he now becomes a bal tshuva. He now becomes a tzaddik. And therefore, that marriage is a kosher marriage. The Rebbe, if I bring in, once asked a question, and he said, in truth, it should not be a kosher marriage. Why? Because a sinner that does tshuva, 
does not become a tzaddik. He becomes a bal tshuva. A returning to Judaism is higher than a tzaddik. The Gemara says, in a place where Baal Tshuva stands, even the greatest tzaddikim cannot stand there. So really, you're not a tzaddik, you're a Baal Tshuva. You're a BT, you're not an FFB. So how could it be a kosher marriage? And the Gemara says that if you're more than you say you are, it's also not a kosher marriage. For example... If a person tells a woman, marry me on the condition that I'm poor. And then we find out that he's rich. It's not a kosher marriage. Because the woman's going to say, you know what? I don't want a rich guy who's going to be running around all over the country on business. I want a simple guy who's going to be home, milk the cow, diaper the babies, hang out for dinner. That's the person I want to marry. I don't want this big, you know, tycoon who has a lot of money and is a big shot running around to meetings all day. I want a simple guy. So seemingly a Baal Tshuva, who's more than a tzaddik, would not be a kosher marriage. So the Rebbe said an amazing thing. That when the person tells the woman, marry me on the condition that I am a tzaddik. And a moment ago, we knew he was a Russia. So what happens is, there's a transformation that takes place. Because he had a hero tshuva, he had a feeling of remorse, and he abandoned his path of sin. So now all of a sudden, his soul starts transforming from a Russia, and it becomes then a non-Russia, then it becomes a tzaddik, then it becomes a tzaddik gomer, a perfect tzaddik, then it rises to a Baal Shuva. So the soul goes through a process. And therefore when the soul is rolling over from a wicked person to a non-wicked person, to a tzaddik, and then a perfect tzaddik, before it leaves the place of a perfect tzaddik, at that moment is mukudesh as he gets engaged to her. He becomes married to her, becomes betrothed. And then after that, the soul continues to rise to a level of Baal But where does he betroth her? At the moment, he says, Tzadik Gomor. At the moment, the soul becomes a Tzadik Gomor, a complete Tzadik. That is the moment he becomes betrothed. The fact that the soul continues to climb higher is not a problem. Similarly to the fact if a person marries a woman and he says, marry me, then I'm poor. And they were betrothed, and they got married. And later he became rich. If he became rich later, that doesn't violate the marriage. At the moment that he betrothed her, he was poor. The fact that a moment later, his great-grandmother died and left him $100 million, that doesn't in any way negate the betrothal. So this is the day of Yom Kippur. It's Achaz Bashana. It's the one day of the year that we have the ability to really connect with God in a very, very deep and meaningful way. And even if we have that one connection throughout the 25 or 26 hours of Yom Kippur, that we have that one connection with God for that one split moment, that at one moment is atonement. At that moment we connect with God and we become atoned.
I want to uh, end with a story of a person that I knew by the name of Rabbi Yossi Tevel. Rabbi Yossi Tevel was a very jolly person, always smiling, always happy. How are you doing? How are things going? It's great to see you. Give you a pat on the back. A very sweet guy. And Yossi would also dedicate a lot of his time to visit prisoners, Jewish prisoners that were behind bars and could not celebrate the holidays and festivals with their family. He would make it his business to go into the prisons and perform services for these people. And he went to many prisons throughout New York, New York State. There was one prison he could not get into. And the reason he could not get into the prison was not because the prison did not allow him to get in, but rather the rabbi chaplain of the prison did not want him to go in. And for many years he called up this rabbi before the holidays, you know, we want to come to the prisoners, wish them good yontif. No, Rabbi Tevel, you cannot come in. One year, his persistence paid off, and um, he called this rabbi, whose name is Rabbi Metzger, and he said, Rabbi, please let me bring you the matzah before the holiday to give to the prisoners. So the rabbi said, you know what? It's a good idea. You bring me the matzah, and I'll give it out to the prisoners, but you don't go to the prison. And I don't even want to see you. You send it to me, UPS. He says, no problem. So the next day, the rabbi gets a knock on his door. He says, who's there? UPS. He opens the door and out comes Rabbi Tevel. He jumps in front of the door. Here I am with the matzah. He said, I thought UPS is coming. He says, yes, United Passover service. Here's the matzah. I just wanted to show you I'm not a boogeyman. I'm not scary. Here, take the matzah. So the rabbi saw this, this guy, Rabbi Tevel, is a sweet guy. He took the matzah and he gave it to the prisoners. A few weeks later, after Pesach, for Lag Boimer, Rabbi Tevel calls him again. He says, you know, how was the matzah? Oh, the prisoners loved it. Thank you so much. He says, you know, we would really like to come to see the prisoners uh, for Lag Boimer. What do you mean? Yeah, we want to come in, some music. We'll take a big, you know, boombox and play some music. For the, for the prisoners, and we'll tell some stories. It'll be very nice. Okay, he figured, no, I'll let you guys in. So like Boimer, Rabbi Yossi Tevel, brought a bunch of Bachrim with him, boys from the Lubavitch Yeshiva, and they went into the prison, and they gave food, and they danced, and they put on tefillin with the guys, And then, when Rabbi Yossi felt he had the right moment, he turned to Rabbi Metzger and said, Rabbi Metzger, uh, maybe you would like to put on tefillin. He said, what? That's real chutzpah. Now you're asking me to put on tefillin? It's bad enough I let you in here to put on tefillin with all the prisoners. Now you want me to put on tefillin also. 
says, ah, knock it off. And he quickly opened up his sleeve and Rabbi Yossi put the tefillin to his hand and started to wind the tefillin on his arm. And Rabbi Miska said, what do you mean? You're going to show me how to put on tefillin? I can do it better than you. And he himself began to wind the tefillin around his arm. And then he put his hand over his eyes and recited Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Achod Baruch Hashem Kvayim Achosayel And at that moment as the skies opened and the rain began to fall so too the tears from his eyes began to gush. And uncontrollably, he was sitting there for 20 minutes crying. He finally finished the Shema and took off the tefillin and gave it back to, to Rabbi Yossi and said, Rabbi Yossi, I want to tell you a story. He sat down, Rabbi Yossi, right next to him and said, Look, let me tell you something. My grandfather was a big rabbi. He was very learned and he was very pious. He was a big tzaddik. And my grandfather lived in Germany. When the war broke out, the Nazis came to our town. And they took a skin of a pig. And they put this skin on my grandfather. And they made him crawl on the floor like a pig and make noises like a pig and walk around the entire town where he was feared, where he was given such covet and honor. And here he was made a mockery of. And this really, really hurt me. It really bothered me. At that moment, I said to myself, I will take revenge. But not revenge of the Germans. Not revenge of the Nazis, but I would take revenge of God. For how could God allow such a thing to happen? If this man is a rabbi and represents God, so how can God allow him to be ridiculed on such a level? So, I resolved at that moment, if I survived the war, I would one day take my revenge. And so, after the war, I came to America... And I studied to be a rabbi. And what I did was, to spite God, I would perform mixed marriages with Jews and non-Jews. Yom Kippur night after Kol Nidre, I hosted a big, beautiful banquet in the synagogue. On Tisha B'Av, we had this great, great barbecue with delicious barbecue wings. And any time I had the opportunity to, to get back at God, I did. I did this for many years to honor my grandfather's memory. Till you came along, Yossi. You said to me, you want to come into the prison and, and bring some simchas yomtif, the happiness and the joy of the yomtif. I knew if you guys from Chabad come to the prison, I'm in big trouble. So I refused you for many, many years. I said, no, no way, you can't come, I do it myself, I don't need your help. But after your persistence, 
and, and your simcha and your joy and, and, and your constant enthusiasm, you just broke me. I melted away. And you said, let me bring some matzah into the prison and, and do it yourself. And I took it myself and, and I saw the smiles of the prisoners and how much joy it brought them. I realized I have to do it again. And now I let you in today on Lagba Umar. And then he lifted his hands to the heaven and he said, Oi Tate, Zaymi Meichel, O Father in heaven, please forgive me for what I have done. Yossi went home that day, not knowing that right after Rabbi Mesker suffered a major heart attack. And for two weeks he lied in the hospital. And after two weeks his soul left his body. Rabbi Yossi Tevel gets a call from one of the sons of Rabbi Metzger and he said, Rabbi Yossi, we're calling to tell you that Rabbi Metzger passed away. But for the last two weeks, he did not stop talking about you, what kind of great person you were, and how you put on tefillin with him that one day in the prison. And therefore, we want you to come down and speak a few words at his funeral. And so Yossi came down and he spoke about how a person... With one hour, with one minute of his life, he could acquire the world to come. And this is the message of Yom Kippur. On this day, we are able to reach the levels of the angels. On this day, we are able to turn all our red sins and make them white. On this day, God gives us a new chance for a new year. On this day, we truly become Bali Tshuva. We return to God on the highest level that even a tzaddik cannot stand. And so after this level of Tshuva and after this level of perfection, we say Baruch Shem three times. And the Baruch Shem that we say out loud three times at the end of the prayer alludes to the fact that we reach the level, number one, of angels. Number two, we reach the level of Jacob. And number three, we reach the level of Moses. And then we blow the shofar. Because if we truly do what we have to do, and we tip the scale of salvation, then this shofar blast, the final blast of Yom Kippur, will bring about the coming of Mashiach. And therefore we call out, that all of us will very soon be in Jerusalem, and we will see the third holy temple with the coming of Mashiach. Amen.